Hi, and welcome to the Hand in Hand Show, where caregivers and survivors have honest discussions about stroke. We are a part of Stroke Focus Podcasts. This is Cam, your host. If you are a survivor, a caregiver, a researcher, a support group leader, or a local business helping the stroke and brain injury community, Stroke Focus is offering a number of exciting programs. Get details at the end of this podcast. Hello, everyone, and this is Cam with the Hand in Hand Show, a part of the Stroke Focus. Our guests today are Mark and Harriet Manis. Seventeen years ago, Mark and Harriet had a peaceful and beautiful life in Florida. So Mark worked for Disney. He is also a broadcast enthusiast. He loved his studio, and Harriet is a farm D in pharmacy and well-seasoned pharmacist. Their beautiful life was disrupted by Mark's stroke, which happened totally out of the blue. And after that, they faced many challenges, including loss of a job and lack of support. But yet they never gave up, and they tried out many things that can be helpful for other survivors and caregivers to know. Today, Mark and Harriet help out with the Young Stroke Organization to help spread what they have learned. So, Mark and Harriet, welcome, and thank you for being here with us. Tell us what happened. Um, Like, what kind of stroke you had or how you felt. I mean, anything that that, uh, leads up to where we are now. Well, 17 years ago today, I uh, was transferred to Florida Hospital Celebration. A left carotid artery can't take me anymore, and it literally burst into spaghetti. As a result, I suffered a stroke. My right side is paralyzed. But my left side is okay. He spent uh, six and a half half weeks at Florida Hospital, after which I came here. My right side is okay in between super slow exercises, swimming, and a weekly Skype call. The guy from Allen who works for Metatouch uh, is based in Atani, Israel. I make progress every day. Harry, it's actually the 17th anniversary of his stroke. He had his stroke when he was at work. And thankfully, it was also at lunch. So he was with people. As the statement goes, he was drinking his Diet Coke and talking to his friends, and he just dropped the can and stopped talking. And they knew something was wrong. So they were able to call 911, and Florida Hospital Celebration is just off Disney property. So he literally was to the hospital within 15 minutes of the episode. Right. And we know how important time is. Exactly. Yeah, so that's wonderful. So if it had been before lunch or after lunch, Mm -hmm. we might not have had the same type of results because he would have been by himself and nobody would have known exactly where he was mm-hmm. till someone went to look for him. Right. And so we may have had a different result. Mark okay. also had TPA, what they call clot buster drug. Mm-hmm. And a lot of his deficits 
I think are more because of the results of the clot buster because when they first gave it to him, he was moving around and he was talking, no problems. But he had a side effect, which was his brain started swelling about a day later. And so they put him into a medically induced coma. And when he came out of that coma, that's where the deficit showed up. Some of the drugs that we do use when we talk about time mm-hmm. are these clot-busting drugs, and they do have side effects that, even though they work wonderfully, may or may, or may not be totally innocuous. Right. And since then, we've been working a lot, because when Mark was transferred to rehab, he was the youngest one on in the unit. They didn't really know how to deal with somebody his age because he was only 46 at the time. Everyone else was in their 70s and 80s. You know, at first they were going to put him in with somebody who was 80, thinking he needed company and that they could encourage the, each other. And then they realized that might not really work because to have somebody who's 80 years old who doesn't really, I don't want to say doesn't really care, but with somebody who's 46 who literally wants to get out of the hospital and go back to work, the 80-year-old doesn't really care about going back to work because he doesn't have, he hasn't been working. Right. Well, and, and I can relate to that because I was 52 when I had mine, and I, again, as you, were the youngest person on the floor and you know everybody had different goals you know mine was like you to get back to work to uh you know I still had young kids at home and things like that so um yeah to put me in it fortunately there were private rooms but if they had put me in with somebody who was in their 80s you're right I mean I could talk to them or whatever but but the whole our, our goals were different our lives were different and it would have been difficult I think well, and, and that's true. You know, I had enough thought in, in my therapy and I told them I was a scrapbooker rubber stamper. And so they had my family bring in some of my equipment. And so I got to punch a hundred snowflakes and, you know, and cut a hundred pictures. <laughs> so it was a little more fun than, you know, I, I mean, I would garden, but it was a lot more fun than, as you said, you know, gardening, because that's not your thing. You know, right. it's your, you need your own things to do. Right. So, yeah. see a radio, but I, to be very honest, unhooking all of his things right. and bringing right. him in was not practical because I didn't know how to hook them up or unhook them. How did this change your lives? It's changed it a lot. I mean, it. my mom was still alive at the time, and my stepfather lived in Massachusetts. My, I have one brother that's in Massachusetts, another brother that's in Arkansas. His brother was in California at the time. His sister was in New York. And his parents lived here. In Longwood. In Long, you know, Long. about 20, 30 minutes away from us. When they sent him home, 
there were a lot of things that he couldn't do and he couldn't be by himself while I was at work. So it was trying to get people to come stay with him because insurance would only pay for an aide four hours a day. So thankfully, one of my brothers who wasn't married at the time flew down for the first week and said, okay, I'm going to come down. I can do my business on the phone from your house. I don't have to, you know, go into an office. So he came down so that he would be in the house. He would help me make sure that the home health aid came when they were supposed to, when this therapist came and when that therapist came so that I didn't have to take off from work. Because for me, it was actually a brand new job. He had, he actually had a stroke the week before I was supposed to start. And so I was just starting a brand new job. So I couldn't really take off the time because I didn't have any time. So he was here for a week. He helped me get everyone coordinated. Then a bunch of our friends from the synagogue we belonged to basically volunteered to come in to cover times when I was at work and we didn't have a home health aid. And then his parents just said, oh, we'll be the backup. But so it was just that. And then after the first four weeks, I actually took him with me to a conference that I had signed up for before the stroke in a city that he knows very, very well because he went to school there and his family, his mom is actually from there. So we had aunts and uncles and cousins um, in the city. And plus he, with school, he also had some school friends there. So I took him there for a week and people would, and he started being a little bit more self-sufficient and actually got away from me one day. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. He, we, I had to go to a con, to a lecture. His cousin actually got called into work. So out of, um, she was a nurse, so she got called in unexpectedly to work. So she couldn't come and, and stay with him. So I said, okay, I'm going to let you stay. It's either you come with me and listen to my pharmacy lecture, <laughs> um, which he has done, or, you know, you stay here by yourself. And so he said, okay, I'm going to stay here. Okay. So I put his car key for the hotel room just in case there was a problem um, in his pocket. And I went to my conference. And I was only going to be gone three hours. And I'm like, okay. So in that three-hour period, he got himself out of the room, down the elevator, out, out of the hotel, took himself down the street, crossed, um, if you've been to New Orleans, he crossed Poitras, yes. which is a main yes. six, major intersection, major intersection, six lane road, right near, um, and got himself almost to the Superdome. There, across from the Superdome, there's a hotel with a, a mall. So he actually 
went into the mall. A friend of his worked in radio on the top floor of the mall, got himself all the way up there, saw the friend, went down down to the bottom floor where they had a Cafe de Mon, which is a coffee and beignet shop, with his friend, had coffee and beignets, and if you've ever had a beignet with the, the powdered sugar, like, yay thick, <laughs> managed, I don't know how his friend did it or how he did it, but managed not to get any powdered sugar on him, which the night before we had gone and he got covered. Then took himself all the way back to the hotel, into the hotel, back up the elevator to the room, into the room, before I got back. Well, Jack. Yeah. How was your afternoon? And he tells me exactly what he did. And I'm looking, and I'm looking, and I don't see powdered sugar. And I'm like, but I went into his pocket to get the card key, and in his pocket was the business card for the friend. So I know he did it. Yeah. So, Mark, I I just have to ask you, did you kind of plan to do that, or you just saw places that, like, were familiar and you just kept going, or? or I thought I was going to do it. I I got by myself. Mm -hmm. I'll see uh, other one. um, I planned to do it, and I did it. Absolutely. He was still at that time using a wheelchair. Yeah. It somehow got back to his parents. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm in the doghouse because how could you let Mark do that? We had a follow-up with his doctor right after we came back. His first follow-up after being discharged from rehab. Father insisted on coming, and at that time, Mark would start every sentence. When he started to talk, he would say, okay, and then start talking. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the doctor for HIPAA regulations said, is it okay if your father, and his father showed up at the doctor's appointment, is it okay if your father comes in? The doctor forgot that he always started with okay, so he heard the word okay, so he let his dad in, started ranting, tell him, tell the doctor what you did. Mark told the doctor, and the doctor looked at me, and I said, everything is true. I said, the only thing that he forgot to tell you was that I have his wallet with his identification in it. The doctor looks at Mark and says, next time you do that, Make sure you take your wallet. Yes. And it shut his dad up because the statement was, if you feel you can do it, Mm -hmm. do it. But just be safe about it. Yeah. And, you know, make sure that, God forbid something happened, you had some ID on you. Yes. So we've done that. After that, my mom came down for three months and helped stay with him and card him to therapy because I couldn't, I could card him in the morning because we always had like an early, early appointment and then she would pick him up and take him home. I mean, it really flipped our lives a lot. I was 
in a position where I worked five days a week, plus I was on call in the evening and at night. So he ended up coming with me a lot because I didn't really want to leave him alone. Um, and that was what he usually did before the stroke. Because I would go into some not-so-great neighborhoods. After that, I started looking for positions where I didn't have to go out at night and didn't have to go out on the weekends or on call just so that I would be able to spend more time. But otherwise, what we've done is found ways of incorporating things. We had a nice young gentleman who belonged to the synagogue who asked, because he was really interested, especially after Mark had his stroke, of what the physical therapists were doing, because he was working as a trainer mm-hmm. on a work study with a, a gentleman who designed machines to help people. So he said, after about six months, when physical therapy dumped Mark and said, we, we've gone as far as we can go, he said, well, how about bring him to the studio and I'll work with him. So we started what he calls super slow. We started that 16 and a half years ago. Have continued it ever since. We're on our third trainer because the young man went back to school. We got his boss. His boss retired. And we got one of his protégés who we're working with now. And it seems to help because they work on his muscles and he has no contractures He has no, even though he will say he's paralyzed, he really isn't. He can move everything, but he has trouble making that connection to say, move my arm. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times we put his arm on the machine, but he he can do it. I mean, he like presses over 200 pounds. So is this the... um the company uh, called MetaTouch? No, this this is in addition to, to MetaTouch. MetaTouch, we got involved with five years ago, and they have several different devices. And I got attracted to them because my mom, as I said, lived in the Boston area, and she had sent me some information on a company there that had a device that she thought could help Mark's arm. And this was really in, like, the beginning of the Facebook advertising. Mm-hmm. And that company had a Facebook page, so I said I liked it. And up pops MetaTouch. And one of the things I've had, because Mark still cannot do fine movement with his hands, mm-hmm. I had been looking for something to help him with his hands. And every device I had seen was designed for a patient whose hand would be automatically in a fist, which a lot of patients do. Well, Mark's hand is this way. So it's flat. It's flat. Mm -hmm. So all of the the ones designed for this, you kind of pry open and put springs that forces it open, and then your natural tendency is closing it down for you to start gripping. Well, it doesn't work that way when your hand's this way. Mm-hmm. And so, as I said, on Facebook, this thing for MetaTouch, came, this ad for MetaTouch came up, and it actually came up with their hand tutor. 
And when I looked at it, I was curious. I clicked on it and thought, I don't see any springs. Hmm, maybe this will work. So it just looks like a glove with the fingers relaxed. Correct. Okay. It goes around his wrist, goes around his arm, and goes on each of the tips of his fingers. And the cord gets attached to my computer. And with it, you can see even the most visually invisible movement. So if he can move it just even like one degree, it will pick it up. Because this doesn't do anything. This is not stim, you know, stimulation or anything. This is just a device, and it will, on my computer screen, it has like a a compass, uh, not a compass, uh, a protractor. And it will show that you can move it one degree, two degrees, three degrees, four degrees, depending on how much you can move. And you train based on how much you can move so that you keep trying to move it. So it's repetitive motion, but it's visual repetitive motion. It's called exercise biofeedback. And by doing it, he's getting more and more of the ability to move his hand. They have other devices. They have an arm device. They have a leg device. And they have what's called a 3DT, which all can be used in the home. The 3DT right now we're using, I put it on, I can put it on his chest and he can do rotation up and down, you know, side to side and it will pick that up. I've also used it on his leg, underneath his knee and on his ankle so that you can start working on like foot drop. People get addicted to video games. Yeah. That is, if you can hit something, like now they, they just redid the program, so there's one called Duck Hunter. It's it's really cute. It They're kind of designed more for kids in some of these games. They have a little puppy dog and a duck, and the the... It's like you've gone duck hunting, so your arm or your leg or whatever pro- we can, pro- whatever part of the body we program on that program. So you're moving your arm and you're trying to shoot the duck, mm-hmm. and then the puppy, you know, you get shoot the duck. Duck goes down. The puppy grabs the duck. I know when he was first discharged, they kept saying. Oh, he just needs repetitive motion. I don't know anybody who, if you tell them to do this ten times every hour mm-hmm. so that you're repeating the motion, mm-hmm. it's gonna, unless I'm standing there watching him, he's not going to do it. Right. So if I'm, at home, if I'm at work, I know he wasn't doing his exercises. Yep. Yeah, those are boring. I mean, you know, arm curls and, yeah, no, I I totally get that. So 
But if you're shooting pool or you're shooting asteroids or, you know, you're following paths with a rocket. Yeah. You know, doing all, doing all this other stuff. That's going to keep your attention a lot more and make you do it. I did a research study on games for people recovering from stroke. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of them were practical things, you know, like you, uh, it it showed your body on a screen Mm -hmm. and it would pick up the laundry and put it in the washer. Like really, you know, and then you take it from the washer and put it in the dryer. And I just looked at the person and I said, could we not have something a little more fun? I could wash dishes, you know, but I, and then some of the others were more fun, but it's like, Okay, that's about as bad as doing arm curls and, you know, circles and, and stuff. You know, yeah, we want something. If you're doing laundry and don't want to do laundry in the first place, why would I want to play a game that's going to make me do laundry? Exactly, exactly. So, Harriet, you've been very resourceful in this journey for the two of you. Sounds like you're also computer savvy, and you find a lot of resources online. Can you tell us anything about that? We started out with a device out of Mass- out of the MIT area of Massachusetts that my mom had sent me an article. So I started with that, and then I kind of blossomed out, you know, and thank goodness for things like Facebook because they do, if you like something, they'll give you things similar to it in some ads if they've got it. Other things... I was looking at, you know, stroke rehab, physical therapy, hand problems, and things. So I would find all these different things and start looking at them to find what would be the best thing for Mark. Because if it's something that was too complicated, I mean, I was looking up, like, constraint therapy because everyone kept talking about constraint therapy. And... Constraint therapy doesn't work unless you have the ability to pick up. Well, you know, uh, his hands this way. He's not going to pick up. It doesn't pick up stuff very well. It doesn't pick up stuff. I would look at things and say, well, constraint's wonderful, except this doesn't work because he won't squeeze his hands shut. He does be able to squeeze his hands shut. Well, that's the problem. So what do we do to make his hands squeeze shut? I've looked at, he, we live in Florida. And most of the year, it's 70s, 80s, 90s, and above, depending on the humidity. Well, when they give you that hard plastic brace when you have drop foot, your leg sweats, you start breaking out from, like, the hot metal where they have the rivets and things like that. Even if you put something on top of it, you still have the metal metal buckles. Mm-hmm. And those touch your leg. And when it's 90, those, those are hot. Mm-hmm. So I found soft braces that don't have metal in them that he can wear around his ankle, it just clicks in. It's called an Osher brace. It's something he can 
do himself to help his help his foot. So we've looked at different things, looking at whatever the problem is. It's a constant search. Right. Yeah. But I do want to talk about young the Young Stroke Association and maybe ha- just real quickly how you found them. We found Young Stroke actually through Metatouch, a stroke survivor who is also a writer for one of the stroke magazines had inquired to Metatouch to try their product. But so she could write an article for the stroke magazine. Instead, our therapist said, why don't you talk to this family? Because they have it, they've been using it, and they're having good luck with it. So he got the two of us connected, and I'm talking to her and saying, you know, what our our journey's been. And she goes, you need to talk to Amy Edmonds. She has this organization called Youngstroke. And so she got me in touch with Amy. Amy and I had an absolutely lovely initial phone call and almost bonded over that one phone call. And she asked me, you know, told me about the organization, told me about their first conference that was coming up. Also asked me, because I'm a pharmacist, to be on their board of medical advisors, which I accepted willingly and very graciously. And so my first, we first finally met when I um, went up to the conference, the very first conference we had, and we met all these lovely people because up until that time, Mark kept calling himself an only. And when we finally went there, he realized that he wasn't an only anymore. Mm-hmm. He was someone, there are a lot more people like him. And since then, last the last conference that we did, I did a talk on the apps that are available for smartphones to help people help communicate when they have an aphasia um, because they can't get out the right word, but they can look at an avatar and point to, you know, my throat hurts, um, my arm hurts, whatever, um, to help initiate conversations with their physicians, as well as reminders for taking their medicine. And so that's how we got involved. We, I did a program here in the Orlando area as part of the Be Visible program for Young Stroke and introduced uh, Young Stroke to the Orlando community. And that has been how we got involved. And this summer, we've been working to trying to launch the webcast and the podcast and a whole media site that we're starting for, for Youngstroke. Okay. Boy, you all are busy, it sounds like. want to thank you both for being here, and I'd love to have you all back. Do you have any last words that you want to say, either one of you? Don't give up.
don't give up. I hope everyone has enjoyed listening to this podcast, uh, the Hand in Hand show, a part of Stroke Focus. And uh, we'll see you on the radio next time. Good night. Good night. This podcast was brought to you by Young Stroke. Champion, participate, and educate. Young Stroke is a real force uniting stroke survivors, caregivers, researchers, and businesses around the world to change today's stroke care.